Success. Success is different for each person. The first question to ask yourself is what do you define as success? Not what society deems successful, not what your family and friends deem successful or how you were brought up. What do you consider to be successful? For some, this might not be having to work over 50 hours in one week. To others, it could be making a million dollars. And to another person, it could mean finding food and shelter for the day. It is so important to create your own definition of success. Once you have defined success, start to think about your passion. What do you love and what fulfills you? It's widely thought that the only way to be financially successful is by working long hours in our profession. This often means trying to follow a designated career plan, getting pay rises and promotions, and working to achieve a level of income that satisfies our needs. In short, work hard and success will come. But did you know there's another way to achieve this success without working harder? Why not try working smarter? The value of working smarter is about working fewer hours to do what you love and following your passion for what you enjoy. Of course, but the challenge here is that a lot of us need to have guaranteed income to support our lifestyle. How can we be possibly successful if we simply work less for what we love? Well, if your work is doing what you love, will it really feel like work? The key things to consider are what do you want to do? and why do you want to do it? If you're able to answer those questions, then you can really start to build a lifestyle. And then we also have to consider how we can afford to do this if we also have people to look after. What about our partners and children? This is a great point. Alternative methods may not suit everyone, and it might be scary to take the plunge, maybe doing something completely out of your comfort zone or what you enjoy, but it is also important to consider stepping away from overwork, exhaustion, and burnout by stepping away from this allows you to have more energy to channel into your work health and relationships if you have more energy to do your work you're going to be much better at your work overall regardless of what you choose it's important to consider that there isn't only one method for getting the financial freedom and success you want in order to make you happy and at the end of the day it's all about making sure that you're meeting your needs and that the success that you defined for yourself earlier is what you want and what satisfies you. Perfect. What now? Sorry, I just felt like singing Ken. Just came out. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Very Anyways, good. why are we here? What are we doing today? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Who even are we? I don't know. Who are we? I don't even know. Who's, who's listening to us? Is anyone watching us right now? Ken, what are you wearing? <laughs> okay, I am wearing so. my pe- I'm wearing a pea-coloured jumper, which no one can see, unfortunately, but I think that's less relevant than who I am. So my name is Ken. My name is Alyssa. And what are we talking about today? Well, before we go into that, do you want to tell our listeners what our podcast is all about? 
Oh, that's a great idea. I can tell <laughs> what our podcast is about. I remember now our podcast, What Now, is about all the things that school never prepared us for and how we go about dealing with them. And on today's podcast, we're talking about this phrase that seemed to get mentioned quite a bit when we were younger and often regurgitated throughout our work lives. Working harder equals more success. But does it? By working harder, we mean we're working overtime. We are taking greater initiative and success and talking about finding fulfillment. And by success, we're talking about finding fulfillment, happiness, and financial gain by doing more in our own time at the potential risk of other elements of our life, including our health and well-being, and whether or not this is the only approach that one can take into having an overall happy and fulfilling life. Exactly. And I don't know about you, Alyssa, but when I was going through high school, my teachers would tell me that if I put more effort into my classes, if I put more effort in studying, and if I worked harder, that it was meant to suddenly allow me to reap these great rewards. Like if I put more, you know, it's like putting more investment in the bank, you would suddenly exponentially get greater results in return. But I have to say that it wasn't always the case. And yeah. sometimes greater study did not necessarily equal better results. In fact, it actually just meant that I felt like I was running myself into the ground. Yeah. And what's worse is that I would just be constantly thinking to myself in, the, in my head, okay, I've got to work hard for this goal. And once it's done, I don't have time to absorb it. I've got to go on to the next goal. And it was just becoming one big milestone after another. And do you know what, too, to Ken, it also runs into our life post high school post university and this hustle mindset becomes a shiny diamond that everyone wants to chase and wants to do and it is looked up upon but is not necessarily beneficial for your overall well-being with that being said and like you just said running yourself into the ground this trails off so we also look at the reasons behind why working smarter not harder or hustling yourself into the ground, necessarily more beneficial in regards to your overall well-being. And we look at the areas of maintaining a balance for your overall health. And so how this relates to human psychology when focusing on these particular areas within the human brain. And by looking at these particular areas, it allows you to therefore be more productive and more effective in your overall work. Elon Musk is a prime example of a successful businessman, great, great, great man on this earth. He was originally working 90 to 120 hour work weeks, but re recently revealed that his weekly schedule is not recommended to anyone uh, and that nobody should put this amount of hours into their work week, which I totally agree with. I think that's just actually ridiculous. But... I mean, I'm not, I'm not building a spaceship to Mars. So obviously, you know, there are different, different things in place. But the journalist that actually interviewed him on this story from CNBC, he actually said that productivity requires fuel and we all have to recharge to maintain it. And even a Tesla has to be plugged in once in a while. Elon Musk is obviously one of these exceptions to the rule, but he has recognised that he, does, he did need a change and so he ended up cutting back from 120 hours to 80 hours a week. 
Um, but also telling us that, you know, similar to exercise and food, we all have a different choice in what works best for each and every one of us. So for example, for one person, this might look harder, but for another, it might suit them. So this is just something else to be mindful of too. True. And then in terms of health, Ariana Huffington, the CEO and founder of Huffington Post, was quite remarkable in that she underwent an experience where she was very much hustling, working ridiculously, and she broke down. She had a real physical breakdown, which sent her to hospital. And this is a point in time when she's not only a CEO, but also a mum dealing with many different competing agendas. Ariana Huffington came across meditation and through practice, she then found that if she prioritized her day in a way where she still had time for herself and also for the things that she wanted to get out of a day, it meant that she put aside a lot of the unessential things that she needed to do and really found that it helped her overall well-being and put her back on the road to recovery without having a significant major issue like that again. And whilst this podcast obviously isn't here to talk about meditation on today's episode, what we're really here to talk about is how working smarter does allow us to feel successful. It allows us to feel fulfilled and happy. And we're also here to discuss how this phrase of working harder and getting greater success has influenced us and how we can try and improve this to put our own health and well-being first rather than sacrificing that for an image of success. And we're so excited to share this episode with you today. And we are, yeah, with that being said, we would love to introduce you now to our guest speaker, Joe. He is here to share his experiences and how the work harder equals greater success idea may not be for everyone. And we're going to go into that now. We're very excited to have our guest speaker, Joe, come in and talk about his thoughts and feelings regarding hustling, hard work, and definitions of success. So, Joe, welcome to our episode. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am from Essex in England, so uh, roughly about sort of 45 minutes out of London uh, by train. Background-wise, I've sort of, well, I've got two little boys at six and five. Um, I'm single, live by myself. Um, for the, probably the first period of my life, um, I've always been in relationships, so uh, since 2018 I've taken this time to be by myself and it's been really good. Out of it, a lot of creative things have happened, work's been better, um, I've now created a podcast, my fellow creators, uh, Chris and Ricky, so I'm not, I'm not, I can't talk, I'm not being funny podcasts, so over on YouTube, that's been really good, so we've been going since February. Um, but yeah, so I've always worked in the motor trade as well. Um, and that's shaped me as a person, sort of in my later years, you know, and especially seeing the different backgrounds of the uh, how the business can run from the workshop to your sales department, all that kind of stuff, you name it, I've, I've basically done it. So, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting one. But out of the back of all that, you see all kinds of different people and engaging with different people. And it's been, yeah, it's just really, really good. Really, really good. Yeah, it sounds like you've definitely had a very engaging life since leaving school. If you had to give, say, a quick snapshot as to some of the key moments in your life, what would that include? Um, for me, obviously, 
key moments definitely uh, having my boys, seeing my sons, watching them be born, be part of that experience. That's crazy. Um, bringing them up and, you know, it's, that's really shaped me as a person. And they've been def- that's probably where well, they are definitely the most key points. Also, in my career, um, sticking with it, bearing with it, putting the hours in and ultimately getting it to pay off. Um, that quite ironically feels so alien now because I am the most driven person you'll meet. I am re- I'll really go get her. Um, but at this point in time, it's with the coronavirus and lockdown, I've almost sort of relapsed. Where I've been full throttle all the time, this has been the first opportunity that I've stopped. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. And, and after all of your, your work experience and your business that you've been running, what are some of your, I guess, the biggest challenges that you've faced that made you grow in business and in your work life to what feels really comfortable for you right now? Yeah. Dealing with people, actually. Um, okay. So many people on a day-to-day basis. That will ultimately make or break you. And I, I've been able to understand people and read people, definitely. Mm-hmm. Work-wise and the work aspect. Yeah. That's a, a massive part to play. And that's something that you don't get taught at school. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> that's learning the job kind of thing. So I guess with what we are discussing in this episode with the work hard to basically be more successful mindset, would you agree with this statement that we need to work harder to be more successful? And what would your advice to people be with this mindset in relation to your work background and what you've experienced? I don't think necessarily that working hard is a bad thing. And I don't think, I don't want to tarnish that with a bad brush. I think what it needs to be, and I think what so many people lose, lose sight of and lose vision of, yeah. is, is balancing it all. Um, and I think you need to set goals, goals to work, work towards, achievable goals, with family as well. So you, you know what you're working towards. Ultimately, that's what fell between my ex-partner um, is establishing those goals and having something to drive towards. So working hard's fine, but it's knowing how to, to, to switch off and find that. And again, that is something you can only learn. And I think you have to have the bad experiences. Almost like for me, I had to go through that experience with my ex-partner to, to, to work that out. Yeah. That, yeah, it's great working seven days a week, earning loads of money, bang, 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 bang. But when your home life takes a nosedive and you're like two different people, two strangers living in the same house, that's, that, that's ultimately the penalty that comes out of that. So I think you need to just focus and build in time for everything. It, is, it all comes down to managing time, 100%, and to be successful in a career and running a house as well. But it's known when it's switched off. Yeah, I hear you on that. I think one thing I've taken from my life as well is not necessarily working harder, but working smarter. So I think that ties definitely into time management. I think there's also this belief that people have where, you know, they think, oh, I don't have time in order to do all these other things, like look after the family, maintain relationships, to follow my passions with a lot of other areas. And I found that now, as I've gotten older, and I'm not sure if this is the same with you, Joe, but you quickly realise where your priorities lie. You quickly realise what matters to you and you tend to focus more on them. And I think that makes you feel much more uh, satisfied in and of yourself. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. And you can't, you can't lose sight of that. You need to prioritise what's important in life and keep it there. 
Um, mm. Of course, people grow at different rates and sometimes these goals can change. Um, but ultimately, there's always still a, an underlying foundation of what you're working towards and who you're trying to look after. And I always relate to the fact that family is the most important thing. Blood's thicker than water. You know, you need to look after your family. And that's taught yeah. me something over, especially more so the past four years. You know, I'm not even talking back in my early 20s. You know, these are things I'm still learning now. Yeah. Even at a time like this where I'm isolated, the only people I really see are my two sons that, I've, you know, I've, I see probably what four times a week if I can, um, but the rest of it I'm isolated. So then you do miss the people around you that have helped support you. Yeah. And um, do you know what I mean? And especially mm. at a time of need, I've had times when you know my parents have stepped up to positions to really help me out and bail me out of a bad situation. That was when I was young. But you know, it's <laughs> one thing. So you do these things. You, you you sort of learn the job, and you need to prioritise those things. You need to keep yeah. in mind never lose sight of them. Yeah, I, I think. I think that's so important. And I, I think it also comes down as well to what we define as success too, because I think, you know, growing up, we were always, a lot of people would always mention, you know, okay, so if you have a six figure business or if you're earning six figures a year, like that means you've successful, you've made it, you know, you're making lots of money um, and you're successful. But I think the definition of success really differs from person to person and also um, you know, our perspective on what we're obviously prioritizing, but also what we care about as well. And myself personally, I, I actually define success as having really great health, like having my health, my family and friends having their health, having amazing friendships and relationships, being able to, uh, you know, be, have access to education, access to freedom, and ultimately being happy, really, like, we, you know, and we find that happiness from within ourselves. And I personally think that that's really what success is all about, no matter how much, you know, money is in your bank account, or um, if you are earning six figures a year, and amazing if you are, but I think that anything be, sort of beyond that is an added bonus, essentially. So I think in terms of success, what, what would you define as success from your experience currently is uh, being a good dad and making sure everything I do I get some sort of knowledge or fulfillment out of um, and hand happiness don't be wrong I, I'm quite fortunate in the sense of that my job I do really enjoy um, and I find that um, my home life I enjoy my home life now especially because I'm by myself it's great you know <laughs> it, it's, it's <laughs> the best thing in the world you know um, thank you not by <laughs> Listen, Ken, I've been I've been practicing for this self isolating all my life. I've been training. <laughs> I've been in training, son. So you funny. Know? You lot, you lot, I was born into the darkness, mate. I was here, son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, as an introvert for me, this feels like natural habitat. Nothing's changed in my life. I'm like, yep, yeah, life goes on. <laughs> life goes I mean, on I exactly. Think, but the thing is, though, do you know what I mean? I think there's always a, a financial worry. That's, I think the the tip of it all for most people, when I know people are worried about health, but I think fundamentally people are worried about the money. Um, yeah. Which is, definitely. I think that's only natural from the, the nature of the sort of capitalist society that we've all sort of embraced and we live yeah. in. That, Amen. That, that's, that's what we all, that's what we're all worrying about, you know? And I think, I think a lot of people will be more ashamed to actually admit that than actually say, a lot of people say, you know, I care about health. A lot of people, that if you turn on the news, it's all about money. Yeah. That's it. To add to that too, you know, Joe, you, I remember when we were talking with you, you 
also explain more of your background and the journey you've undergone. You know, you've done bodybuilding. You've gone into a career where you had a six-figure salary. You have had, at one point in your life, a family where, you know, you were living in the ideal sort of sounding environment where you had a job that was financially secure. You had a family. You had what appeared to be these images of what people would perceive as being successful. How did that make you feel internally versus what people might see as being successful? Ironically enough, when you're there, it doesn't feel like success mm. to a degree. It doesn't. And do you know what? It's the weird analogy I have for this is I used, I used to look at photos of myself when I was bodybuilding and I could be so hypercritical of myself mm. that um, I've still got a bit of a gut, you know, I'm still holding, you know, a bit too much water in my face, my arms, I look this, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And when I put on loads of weight, I looked back retrospectively at the picture of me bodybuilding and I was like, why was I saying that about myself? I look great. Yeah. I wish I looked like that now. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, I can't even see my feet. They're anything else. You know, I've got a big belly. What's going on here? And then, you know, and then... <laughs> You, start, you know, that's when the journey begins. So, as I think in human nature, I don't think you, you really uh, appreciate success when you're living, when you're in the moment. I think it's only retrospectively that when you move on from it, you look back and you think, wow, I did do that. That's really good. Um, yeah. And I think that helps you cast decisions about where, or makes you, should I say, about where you're going to progress forward from there, you know? I think that that's so, it's so interesting that you say that Joe. Cause I think that's, you know, even, even I've caught myself having, having moments like that too, where you sort of look back at things and you're like, Oh my gosh, like that, you know, that moment was incredible. Why did I not sort of celebrate more about that moment or, you know, how I felt at that particular time. And, you know, sometimes we are so focused on looking at that next goal and, you know, focused on, okay, like I've got to get to this, this goal, this is my next goal now, or I've got to get to this level in my business, or I have to, you know, sell this amount of um, packages, or I have to, um, you know, lose this amount of weight or whatever it is um, in different aspects of your life. And I think that's a huge problem of our, you know, of the, of, of the whole world, essentially, um, because we are focused on, on the future and then worried about, getting to that next level. And this is why I'm so passionate about mindfulness and bringing ourselves back into the present moment and actually really celebrating being in the now and, and being so focused on what we do have right now because, and we touched on this in our mindfulness episode where we sort of talk about really being aware of what we have in this current moment, what's happening in our life, the, the relationships that, in, that are in our life, the work that we're doing and just being grateful for, for everything we have now because essentially the past doesn't exist, the future doesn't exist. All we really do have is right now and, so, and that's what life is all about. Life's about living and sometimes if you don't stop and just pause for a second and sort of look around and realise all of the amazing things that you've got in your life, you, 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 really, you actually miss life. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever gotten into any like mindfulness? Do you think that sort of slowing down and pausing, you know, really helps with, I guess, working smarter, not harder? Yeah. I mean, I would say that now, especially um, in my 30s, I've definitely slowed down more. Right. 
Prime example. Okay, so um, if I reflect back to my early 20s, I was a hothead, didn't really care for other people's opinions, very bullish. Um, do you know what I mean? All Pretty much all the really heavy hitter sh- yeah. shit. Typical, typical sleazy car, car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, just stereotype me there with your big brush, you know, stereotype me. But, but honestly, but do you know what? At that time in my life, I needed that, and they, they're not attractive uh, character traits in any way, shape, or form. But I needed yeah. that in that space of time because that helped forge my career in sales. Full stop. You know, n- not taking no for an answer. Really uh, pursuing a sale, really pushing, and in my career that really helped. Now, since my 30s, I've sort of, and again, coming out of my previous relationship, I've slowed down a lot. Um, I'm a bit more logical in my way of thinking. That has had an impact in my career, but not so much as you would think, because I've now got a big database of customers that always will come to buy from me. Fact, done. But I'm a bit more cool, calm and collected now. I'm a bit more analytical. I'll slow down. I'll think about what, I'll digest what's been said to me as opposed to just bang. You know, yeah. before you better look at me when you speak to me and see the cogs turning and get around. I'm, you know, you know, I'm not even really listening to what you're saying and just ready to ready to do battle. You know, but now I've slowed down a lot, yeah, and calmed down a bit. And it's don't be wrong, I can switch back on the old me, but it doesn't really happen. You know, I've just sort of slowed down the pace of things as such, and yeah. I think that has really helped out. You know, I think now and then it calls to be, you know, snappy to do things, but for the best part of it, I think we all need to slow down and just. Be more logical with our thinking, especially when you see John does me. When you see these videos of people kicking off and shouting at each other, you think what it boils down to is such a menial thing that if people just slowed down, it wouldn't even bother them. Do you know what I mean? If in terms of their thinking, their brain, their their thought process as such. When you do start to slow down, I find that in my experience, I tend to take note of more of how my body is feeling and what my own individual needs are. Have you personally felt that, for instance, your health has improved from being where you were in your 20s to where you are now in your 30s? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a much healthier person now compared to when I was in my 20s. That's a fact. It's so strange. I mean, I, I had to, to put it. Although I've, I'm, I've mentally then, you th- retrospectively looking back, you think that you're okay, you know, you think that, you know, physically yeah. you're in peak form, mentally you're good. Yeah, physically, I, I probably, well, no, probably, I was in good shape, I was in good form, I was healthy. Mentally not, no way. Um, which is really bizarre, because, yeah, you know, I was in my peak physical strength, peak physical condition, yet mentally I was really suffering. Again, really suffered when I was big, when I was fat, because I was very resentful myself that before I was in a bodybuilding, I was overweight. So basically, I was overweight, bodybuilding nice and trim fit as a butcher's dog then overweight again massively overweight even bigger than i was in the very first time and then back to the size i'm now so it's weird sorry how did you become overweight from your bodybuilding well uh from bodybuilding i would consume probably four thousand calories a day easy and then when you i had a i had a rotator cuff issue with my left shoulder Uh, and then my oldest son was born finley so um, a mixture of those things I slowed down training and just stopped but I carried on pretty much eating whatever I want um, yeah. and then when I wasn't training when you're eating 4,000 calories a day and you're basically yeah do you know what I mean it's, it's yeah. just horrendous 
So, and then to add insult to injury in the relationship, I, st I started drinking as well and drinking, yeah. you know, way more than I should. And eating as like, it's just a combination of all the wrong things. And I've just become a big fat mess. Would you say that your, I suppose, approach of working hard contributed to that? Definitely. But again, also working smarter. So for instance, you know, rather than going like a sledgehammer and just like constantly running or, you know, just doing things that potentially wouldn't be healthy for my body. It's just working it out. And for me, it was to start off with, it was just eating 1900 calories a day and doing 14,000 steps. No gym. That was it. And I'll, I lost two stone in just under two months. And then all of a sudden in six months from doing that, I got down to where I am now, which is 12, four and I was 18 and a half. Wow. So it's, and what what actually made you switch like all of a sudden what made you realize that the current you know the current weight that you were at you were not mentally um at your at your best or feeling your best what sort of made that switch i didn't love myself mm. yeah. it, that's that's what it boils down to i didn't, I didn't love myself i had no respect for myself very much so that i didn't you know because I was in a long-term relationship. So at that point, I think you lose sight of yourself as such anyway. You sort of let go, you relax a bit, which I think is completely wrong. You should never do that. I and, I think and I think your partner should really G you up to keep you on track. And if they don't, they're failing. You need to keep active and do it together, whatever, anyway. So yeah. um, for me, I, I didn't love myself. And, then, and I think it took me to lose out my last relationship to then sort of Make step back and go... Yeah, I've got I've got to sort my life out. So um, and I'm very I'm very much so that when I set my mind to something, that's I've, I won't stop till I get it done. And my goal is I wanted to get under twelve and a half stone, and I just smashed it. Amazing. Yeah, I I really like what you've said. You know, it's interesting because I think linking this all together, one thing I've heard is about how you have undergone such a humongous transformation in personally within you to the realization that you know you are managing your health and also your well-being overall i think that when we are undergoing what you were describing before in bodybuilding where you said that you you know you would take yourself to task you'd be very self-critical you would also be working extremely hard work in order to earn extra money these all sound like signs of perfectionism. And I think that in many cases, we all go through a bit of this where I feel like when we're growing up, what we experience is this notion that if we work harder, that we'll somehow get a bigger result in the future. We don't know what that result will be. It's this nebulous thing that we think we'll achieve someday. And what it sounds like you've experienced, Joe, is that you've now come from what sounds like, as you put it, you didn't love yourself, to a phase now where you respect yourself more, you're not as self-critical, and it sounds like you're not working yourself into the ground, trying to achieve something in the far distant future because you now feel better about yourself. 100%, yeah. So where I'm at now, um, I'm quite comfortable. I'm quite happy. Um, I enjoy my job. Um, uh, you know, I see my boys regularly. I, I like the coronavirus isn't ideal, but this is taking more time. Put it this way, old Joe would really struggle to be by himself for this long. I probably would have drunk myself into a coma. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'll probably, but now 
I'm, I'm a lot happier with my own company. Um, do you know what? Ironically enough, I'm probably a lot, a lot happier with my own thoughts as well. Do you know what I mean? So being by myself, being able to understand decisions in life, because there's always that time, you know, you're sitting there by yourself and all of a sudden you have that bang, that old memory can't be. You wish and you try and suppress it back to your old memory banks and you can't <laughs> do it. But now I haven't got a problem with that because it's, I've come to peace with that. You know, I've, I've, I've succeeded in a lot of things that I wanted to do in life. And I'm, I'm at a, a waypoint now where I want to sort of decide what I want to achieve moving forward from now. But I'm not in a rush to make that decision. Yeah. Uh, Which I think is really important. You know, the only other thing that I wanted to add to this before we move on to the next part is that I feel that we, in our own self-judgment, we're also thinking about what others think of us as well. For instance, I think when I was younger and I was at high school, a lot of the time with the mentality of working harder, I would think, oh, well, if I work harder, if I study harder, and if I apply myself more in class, exams, in what I'm doing in my particular subjects, that my teachers will respect me more and I'll get the respect I deserve from my class. And I have to be honest, I don't feel that I ever got that satisfaction in a way that made me feel good inside. And I think I carried a lot of that with me throughout phases of my life as well when I was going into work where I apply myself harder in the moment but never feel really that satisfied by what my employers were giving back as praise or gratitude for the work that I'd done. And I think that what you describe as learning to love yourself, I think I also complement that by adding learning to appreciate myself more rather than relying on another person to find my own sense of satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, I think you've always got to be at peace with what your decision-making process and on why you do things and the rationale behind it. I don't think you should ever try. And again, this is something that not necessarily gets taught, um, but you know, you've got to do things for the right reasons for yourself. Um, and do you know what? Jordan Peterson, this is a quote. I've had to literally screen grab this because this quote, if you ever get a chance, this whole topic about what we're talking about, I'm not sure you've ever, you must have heard of Jordan Peterson, really intelligent fella. Some of his concepts and his quotes are fantastic. And he's, one of them really grabs me. It's a luxury to pursue what makes you happy. It's a moral obligation to pursue what you find meaningful. Um, and I, I, you know, that's that. 100%, 100%, you know, if there's anything you're going to take out of this podcast, listeners, is that's 100% one thing you should walk away with. Um, and doing things for other people isn't never, it's never the right reason. It's never the right thing. 100%. You need to do it for you and be at peace with the decisions you make and why you make it, why you do it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I think as well, we have to we have to go through struggle and pain and challenges to to appreciate when things are really good and really great and to feel good about ourselves as well, um, whether that's in like the work that we're doing, um, helping other people, you know, helping our community or just being a really great friend or daughter or, um, you know, girlfriend, whatever it is. I think that we have to go through those challenges to to grow and to learn. And it's also life is a constant and growing is a constant. I think that something I've, I've particularly learned is that we have to continue growing. It's never, it never stops. You don't just get to, you don't just become successful and then that's it. Like I'm successful. That's the end of it done, made it awesome. I can, you know, 
I don't have to do anything now. I've, you know, I've made it in life or whatever. It's just, it's a constant growing, I guess, you know, like a plant. You constantly have to keep watering it with personal development and relationships. And you know what? You're 100% right. And I, but I, I will say one thing, and this is from meeting um, hundreds of people, thousands of people in a short space of time. Yeah. Is that um, to be successful, whatever you choose to be successful in, it's not taught. And people, yeah. I don't think, people, hundred, if not millions of people will go through their lives never really achieving any real form of success. But in, to some people, that's okay. Because they've not... Yeah. Do you know, it's, it's a bizarre thing. It's, some people, they... Okay, if, they, that, if, that's, if they're happy with that, then that, that's fine. You know, that's whatever, Godspeed. But I think there's a differential between people that are highly successful and people that, that aren't. And I think a lot of it comes down, going back to, is finding that balance, being very motivated, very goal-driven. And then you have people that aren't really interested in that, but are, they still find happiness in other ways. And, you know, listen, Godspeed, if you can do that, then more power to you. Yeah, but I think on that note too, you know, it's interesting because on it sounds like we've got two trains of thought. There's the approach that we seem to universally like between the three of us, which is being in the moment, enjoying what we're passionate and also motivated in. And then there's the other stream of thought, which is constantly achieving a goal. I guess my question to us would be, and in line of what you're saying, Joe, is, is there a better approach between the two? Like, is one better than the other? No, I think it's down to what makes you happy fundamentally. I mean, mm. listen, you haven't always got to be achieving a goal. And as I said, right now, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing I can... I've got no real, nothing really in place. Even up to this coronavirus, I've been living life in sort of quite, quite contempt, quite happy, you know. So you haven't always got to be achieving a goal, but I believe you need to know what you want out of life. You're yeah. not here long. I think you need to know what you want to achieve yeah. and have smashed out the lion's share. I think for me personally, I wanted to, con- I wanted to condense what, a lot of things I wanted to do. One of the main things I haven't done, which I think I believe you two have done, is a lot of travelling. I've never really, I'm not very well travelled. Um, I've put more time into, into work and stuff. And for me, I'm not a big traveller. For me, it was all, all about the work. Now, in hindsight, I wish I'd done more travelling. That's a fact. I wish I'd taken part and done more of that. You're still young, Joe. You're 33. What are you talking about? you got plenty of time. Get on a plane after the coronavirus settles. (laughs) You're sweet. Just get out of here. Here I come. Maybe maybe stay away from that one. (laughs) It's whatever balls down to make you happy. And for me, I I was just driven I really just wanted to bore myself in work and keep me busy and and keep pushing um you never know I'll probably find time to do other things and find other things because there's probably hundreds of things I haven't tried I know there's hundreds of things out there I haven't tried that I know that I potentially like but it's just getting around to doing it you know 100% and I guess with that in mind now with the power of hindsight when thinking about what we all went through in high school there's got to be I suppose an alternative way of teaching that to our students so I guess one thing I would say on that is that teachers and parents definitely owe it to their children to really tell their kids and tell their students 
that you should really try and work towards what you're passionate in and also to what you enjoy because that's so important to make, you know, to fulfilling your own sense of happiness. I guess my question to you, Joe, would be what would you like school to be doing more in order to contribute less to a work hard equals success mindset and more onto a holistic, more well-being driven approach? Do you know what? And this is a question that I'd, I'd really, and do you know what I'd really struggle with because even now, um, my boys are with me over the weekend and um, obviously we, between me and, and uh, the boys' mum, we're trying to do some homeschooling with them as much as we can. And I feel my, I, I hear myself saying things that I'm just shuddering at, you know, like, and I don't mean to, but it's almost like oh, I was, was building to me. So I'll talk to the boys and when Finley asked me, why are we doing so? Why are we doing reading? Why are we doing this? I'm like, because Finley, you've got to do this, do this, you can achieve, you can get it hard. And, just, and I, I can hear myself saying it. And yeah. I'm like, ah. but and then, and then I remind myself, I don't want to put pressure on him. Yeah. That I don't want to set him up for a fall because I'll love him, whatever he goes on to achieve, but yeah. I can't help it. You know, I, I hear myself saying it and I'll have to remind myself that that's not what I'm trying to instill. I don't want to, bully boy push him into things he doesn't want to do I just want to embrace laugh and enjoy himself you know it's um it's and it's it's a it's and it's so it's very conflicting ideology because for me personally I'm very driven work ethic admittedly I did not school but you know I really pushed myself with my career with Finley I almost try I almost want to push him and it's natural instinct for a parent to want to make their children achieve more than what they did, you know, and you want the best for them. So you almost find yourself slipping into where well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to study for your exams. And there is a, an element of truth, but I mean, I'm walking example that it's not always the case, you know. You can still live um, a happy life, have a good job, find meaning to what your actions are, and still earn a good salary. So it's, um, I'm conflicted. Well, I mean, in your, what would you do, Ken? I mean, honestly, what would, you, what would your... And especially, so what would you think, what would your advice be to schools if you was going to do that? I'm going to pass that one on to Alyssa because I've talked too much. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Classic. Um, no, I, 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 think, uh, I think one of the most important things, you know, if I was teaching that at school and to be honest, I like, I do actually, I mean, I teach English as a second language right now and I'm currently mentoring um, a few of my students in getting outside of their comfort zone in, in regards to living in different cities or countries. Um, because I, I, I guess after all of my travel experiences and I lived in Spain for a year and, and was teaching English over there. Uh, I think that what I've realized is that what's most important growing up is, is just doing what you absolutely are passionate about, what, what you love, um, what makes you feel like you're contributing to, to the community um, and helping other people and also um, communication as well. I think building, I actually really think that connecting with other humans, um, communicating with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different nationalities and being able to feel confident in whether it is, you know, asking questions about someone in, in regards to like their life or what they've learned through school already. I think communication and finding confidence in yourself. And that's what I'm sort of currently doing now is trying to help people feel more confident in when they communicate. Because I think when you find that confidence in yourself, especially growing up in school, you just, 
you, you learn better because you're more focused because you might, you know, you feel more confident to put your hand up to, to answer the teacher, feel more confident in making friends because you're, you're, you know, you might be, you might be sitting next to a new student and you feel confident to start talking to them and then you might make, you know, an incredible new friend. So I think confidence and communication is, is one of the, the key things that I think is so important and, and for schools to implement and, and particularly that self-awareness. So teaching that self-awareness in kids from a very young age um, and asking them, you know, what, so what do you love doing? Like, what are you passionate about? Do you love drawing? Do you love sport? Do you love playing with your friends? Do you love reading? Whatever it is. So I think that's definitely something that more schools should be implementing. I'm really glad you said that because in my head, I was thinking to myself that one thing I never really remembered having from school was anyone asking what I was interested in, any type of real communication deviating from the main plot line, if you like, from what goes on in a classroom. Yeah. Um, Listen, I take my hat off to teachers. I couldn't do the job. No way. I, I'm not patient enough. I haven't got it. And I know my flaws. I know my, I know my flaws. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. You yeah. know? And the fact that, that teachers can do that and, and teach this very heavily, massively oversized curriculum into a very, very condensed period of time with massive big classrooms, bigger classrooms, getting bigger by the year. Yeah. And underpaid staff. Listen, what they're doing at the moment I take, my, I, take my, I take my hat off to them, my invisible cap, I tip it to them, but <laughs> I, I just, um, I don't know. I think it all stems from the top. The government, effectively, whatever government you live in, you know, um, yeah. they structure the society, if you like. They structure that. That yeah. filters down to the schools and the schools then filters that down to the children. So uh, if anything was going to be done, I'm thinking of actual proactive it'd be to really tackle at the top. But the problem is schools haven't changed the way they're, they're format and how they are for a long time. But I think, I think that stems from a government that probably is potentially out of date. Well, most of them are. Um, Absolutely. And um, I'd, right, this is where I go on a political ramp. I'm not, I promise. But, you know, with, with politicians, I find that they serve the donors. doesn't matter what country you go for. Um, anything else falls by the wayside and you just get lip service. So I think not just schools, but a lot of industries have, have suffered from it, but it is what it is, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm in any fit position to try and correct the school system. Um, but it's a tough one to try and I, tackle. Do you know what I mean? I, I totally agree with you on that. I actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I started a just a small little side hustle project where I was trying to help young people understand their workplace rights because in my experience, I had realised that nobody knows what their workplace rights in regards to uh, asking for help when people are experiencing bullying or sexual harassment or being underpaid. No one knows where to go. And... Uh, what I was trying to do was, you know, educate people on their workplace rights to be able to be more knowledgeable in speaking up when, you know, maybe when they did witness a bullying situation or um, experiencing um, a situation with sexual harassment or whatever it was. Because what I realised was that we can't change the government. I can't change... Fair Work Australia, for example, um, I can't change what all of the policies are. And um, when I went through some 
hard workplace experiences um, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I, I contacted our, our government, Fair Work, which is, you know, I, you probably have something similar in, in the UK as well. Um, and in regards to one of our bullying situations, they basically, the Fair Work basically told me that, sorry, like we can't, we can't um, take this case to court unless you have at least 10 people that come forward all together um, because otherwise, if, if it's only two or three people, that's not enough money that, that the court is going to make, essentially. So at the end of the day, it comes back down to how much money the court's making and how much money is being made by the government at the end. Because So, so, so when, I, when I had that conversation, that really serious conversation, I realised that, okay, so I can't change the policies and the this workplace legal system that's currently in place right now, but I could potentially, you know, influence people to be more educated on their workplace rights to stand up for themselves and to stand up for other people. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Do you know what though? When people say that and they say that you can't change the system, you can, but it's just, it's getting enough people to do it, to to, to, to alter it. Do you know what I mean? Um, And it is pretty horrific that, these sort of you have these constraints of different systems in place that that will stop people from being able to do you know what I mean yeah I don't know again there's a stigma attached to this I think that this from schooling from being from being sort of sheltered and then you leave school and then you come across things like this yeah I mean how old are you guys if don't mind me asking I I just turned 26 uh, (laughs) thank you (laughs) Um, how old are you Ken's 20... Uh, I 21. I have no idea how old I am anymore. It changes <laughs> from day to day. <laughs> but the reason, sorry, the reason I ask is that, is that there's so many people that are in a schooling system that leave it and then become so disenfranchised with their systems and, and things yeah. in place that you, this goes back to where you, what, these are the kind of things you're not prepped for when you mm. leave school. And you, yeah. you almost have to find out the hard way. You physically have to find it the hard way to know that that exists. Exactly. This happens. There are loopholes in the system that can benefit you, but the majority of it are there to constrict you. And that's why you have such a massive population of people of a certain age and a certain demographic that are so disenfranchised with the, the system and how it is. Um, mm. And I think it's great that you offer a facility like that. Or did, though, if you, do you still do that now, or, Alyssa? Or? I, I'm actually working it into my, my new brand that I've, I've launched recently, um, Academy for Travellers. So what I'm going to, what I'm going to actually do is, um, yeah, create some courses for, for internationals now, um, and sort of rebrand it in that way to help them basically understand their workplace rights when coming to Australia. Cause I did so much work on it over that year period and, and basically taught myself the whole Australian workplace system because I was just so so passionate of like, no, like this is wrong. And I, you know, I'm gonna, I want to speak up for this and speak up for these people, speak up for myself as well. So that's what I'm sort of been, I've been working on at the moment, which is really cool, which is really exciting. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that sort of wrapping up our episode, Ken, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? I'm pretty content with everything that we've talked about. I guess there was only one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and this just came from my own personal experience, which was <clears throat> I think there is one pressure element that I experienced as a private school boy 
growing up was that when you have a lot of money being thrown on your back with an expectation that you're going to study hard and you need to achieve really good results to justify the amount of money that's being thrown at the school, your education, it does also come with a lot of baggage because there's school programs which are designed to try and, you know, satisfy the parents. It's designed to ensure that their children have that traditional financially successful career lined up for them as well. So I think that one of the unique challenges of private school education from my experience is that it definitely engenders that hard work mentality into us at a very young age because for those students that are in that position who may not necessarily have a job lined up for them straight away thanks to a you know a generous parent or family member it's definitely one where you've got a lot of pressure to please not only your teachers but also your family and i think that can have a really adverse impact on our own upbringing in where we go into our jobs as well. I was going to say, just quickly, I mean, I think in one way or another, school, depending on what type of school you go to, if it's private, public, whatever, I think all of us have an underlying complex that we want to, well, not essentially, well, yeah, people please, but we want to, especially when it comes to our parents, for me, it was always my dad, I always wanted to, um, not overachieve as such, but in a business acumen, I used him as my yardstick. That's my, you know, he provided for me when I was young, worked hard. He only recently retired. He's in his 70s. Really a hard work ethic. And I almost aspired to that. And I've sort of held myself to that for quite a bit of my life, especially when I was self-employed. And when I, when yeah. I failed, um, essentially what happened when I trusted someone else to come work with me, um, when I failed, I, the more devastating factor was that I failed him. Um, so immaterial schooling that for me, I, I was just, I wanted to impress him so much with my work and business acumen and I was devastated and it fell apart. So moving yeah. forward from that, I really was, I wanted to high achieve and, you know, and, and listen, I always felt like it doesn't matter. And again, this goes back to being self-critical. It got to a point where I never felt like I achieved enough. Um, and even now, Sometimes that doubt comes into my head, but again, you've just got to find happiness in the now as such. Do you know what I mean? This, um, yeah, yeah, and happiness for yourself too. Not looking, I mean, obviously, when you say there's a yardstick to try and achieve towards, I think that you are definitely trying to satisfy a parent in your case to make them feel good about you and to supply a certain amount of love and admiration. But the problem is, is that that's not a, with all due respect, it's not sustainable because it doesn't come from within and it's constantly relying on another person's mood to dictate how you feel about yourself. So I applaud you for the fact that you've come out now being like, I need to make sure that I feel happy about my own achievements without relying on anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, you've come such a such a long way, Joe, and it's it's actually really really amazing to hear your background and your story of of just you know the peaks and troughs of life really and where oh, where you sorry. are now and um, what 
your and how your values have changed along the way and you know for your kids now too it's yeah it's an incredibly inspiring story so thank you so much for sharing sharing that with us yeah no thank you thank you for having me so to summarize this entire experience the thing that I got out of this was that the hustle mentality has definitely been something that we feel in every aspect of our lives and it's not just something that's going to go away overnight. I think that we had a really good discussion on how we can work smarter and how we can start to re-engineer this idea of hustling within the schooling system so that way we can really work on communicating our own needs to ourselves so that way we can have a better understanding of how to look after ourselves rather than just burning out and also speaking up for ourselves more within school so that way our teachers and our parents know that it's okay to be treating ourselves with respect rather than burning out. I absolutely agree and I, I think communicating to students and children that you know the idea of being busy or hustling is completely a choice and that you know we all have a choice in where our efforts and energy go and Great. yeah I think you know as as discussed with Joe also starting with asking students and children you know what they're actually enjoying doing what they love um, I think this is really important because I mean for example when I was younger I wanted to be an author and mind you that actually hasn't changed that is still on my to uh, to do list or to be list. <laughs> I was always writing short stories when I was younger. And so, for example, you know, like my parents and teachers would recommend me to submit my short stories in writing competitions or um, short poem competitions. And I could have also been potentially involved in writing or book clubs with with other kids that also enjoyed writing, for example. So I think being able to listen to your child or student and assisting them with aligned outlets for them to be able to actually share their creativity and passions as well. Agreed. And finally, we also touched on how there is a pace to which we work and we also need to be influencing and reminding our children to work at a pace which is healthy for them so they don't seriously impact their health and well-being. But other than that, though, Alyssa, what now? What now, indeed. So I, for our next episode, uh, one of my, my favourite topics, we're actually going to be discussing gratitude. And we talked about how, I guess, you know, gratitude isn't just a practice of being thankful to others, but it also is a practice of humility that allows you to improve your relationship with yourself, but while also being able to measure how much you've grown as a person. And it's also a way of being able to focus on everything that you have now or everything that you have in your life, rather than focusing on the things that you don't as well. Or things that you may want. Or things that you may want. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, mm. so yeah. What now, Ken? Well, our listeners can go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We would love it if you could please share this with a friend because we think that they would really enjoy this as much as you have. And other than that, though, we'll catch you around next time for our episode. And if you want to 
message us, talk us, talk to us about a topic that you'd like us to cover. You can always catch us at whatnowpod at gmail.com and feel free to leave any feedback you'd like. Preferably nice stuff. Other than that, though, we'll catch you guys next time. See you then, guys. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.